This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 283. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined this evening by co-host and producer <laughs> extraordinaire. <laughs> I always enjoy saying that. Mr. Yeah. Matthew Marister. What's up, man? Good evening. How you doing? I'm excellent, man. Yeah. 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 You doing well? I'm doing awesome, man. Awesome. Even though it's like 1 a.m. your time? It, it's actually 1.04 a.m., so those four minutes are important when it, it gets past my bedtime. Nah, but yeah, oh, it's all yeah. good. Uh, I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry to you know make you do this, but... Uh, no, no, it's, it's always fun getting the comments and, the, and you know, in the chat and everything, so always happy to be here, and it's been a while since, the, since the, uh, you know, all the holidays and stuff, so it's good to be back. For sure, man. Uh, hopefully you had a, a, an excellent, you know, couple of holidays there. Yeah, dude. I mean, always blessed, man. Like I, I, every time, you know, I'm looking at my family and we're all here, we're all still kicking and everything. So it's a good, it's a good day when you wake up and see your kids. So Absolutely, or kids man. in your case, but mine, <laughs> I only got one. So <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, never a dull moment in the Bowman household. And we had a, <laughs> we had a great time. It's, it was a, crazy couple of weeks there but uh and it still is i mean the, the the older kids are still not back in school so until that happens sometime next week uh things are still kind of crazy over here <laughs> man <laughs> i thought i was gonna get this uh i thought i was gonna you know get the podcast done earlier today and uh just one thing led to another led to another led to another led to another <laughs> uh yeah it's just it was just it's just impossible to get it done. So, uh, yeah, I called you up tonight late. I'm like, hey, dude, you want to do one of those late night deals? You're like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm thanks, always buddy. down. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Tonight, we've got uh, a whole bunch of great stories to talk, talk about. In fact, we had a, a bunch of other stories that are also very good stories, but I just had, we had to cut things down. Uh, being gone a couple of weeks, uh, we've, we've got an overload of news stories. Uh, some of these stories will be these other, these extra stories that we're not talking about in the show tonight will be posted in the show notes of tonight's episode. So feel free to check those out. Uh, and the show notes for this episode can be found at concealedcarry.com forward slash episode 283. And so, yeah, uh, but tonight's episode, we are going to be talking about some legislative updates out of, Flo well, not, not really a legislative update, update out of Florida, but a, a story out of Florida. Uh, it is a report basically, uh, from the, the, the committee that was studying, you know, what happened in Parkland. Okay. Mm -hmm. And recommendations that came out of that. We're going to talk about that. We've got some legislative updates out of Ohio. Uh, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, uh, specifically. Uh, so we'll talk about that stuff. There's, there's more things going on than that. I know there's some stuff going on in California, Washington state and elsewhere. Uh, there's things being proposed right now here in Colorado. Uh, we're really getting ready and geared up for a brutal legislative s uh, season, uh, in the, in the coming months. Uh, you know, there's some things that happened, uh, in the election a couple months ago now. That uh, you know really changed the face of some of the communities and counties and states uh, that are going to affect many of us 
and of course federally with a Democrat-controlled House now opening their session here like tomorrow or the next day or something. So, yeah, lots going on legislatively. It's going to be a crazy season, so stay tuned. We'll be trying to follow everything as best we can. Uh, we also have some some great uh, lessons to be learned from stories on what not to do uh, <laughs> concealed carriers. So don't do Man. these. Yeah, d- yeah. There's some there's some good ones there. There's yeah, some real doozies. <laughs> and uh, also we have some great justified save stories. Uh, I, there was probably even better ones, but uh, we'll probably save. So I, I had to cut out like two thirds <laughs> of, mm-hmm. of what you'd put in there in the show notes, Matthew and. And uh, we're, we're just talking about a couple of them tonight, and we'll probably get to some more next week or whatever. So, anyway, that's basically a preview of tonight's episode. Uh, but first, tonight's episode is brought to you by Sign the Pledge. This is our 2019 ConcealedCarry.com pledge. Uh, it's a new year. Many of many of us like to make New Year's resolutions. I'm not really a guy that's into making New Year's resolutions. Uh, I, I kind of believe that when I think of a good idea of something I should do, like I should make a resolution to do it then, like if that's right. in October, then that's when I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. But you know what? It's still, it's a new year and it's exciting time. Uh, hopefully this is a, a good year for all of you listening. And one thing that we'd like to encourage you to do is sign the Concealed Carry Pledge for 2019. We've not done, ever done this before. You can go to concealedcarry.com forward slash 2019 2019 pledge that is p-l-e-d-g-e so concealedcarry.com forward slash 2019 pledge and and all this is simple we ask you like i don't know to commit to do eight or nine or ten things during the the course of the year 2019 it's stuff right. like you know you're going to be a safe responsible gun handler you know uh obeying the firearm safety rules stuff like that okay it's just it's really simple but we'd appreciate you your show of support of that because uh, and then be sure to share that with your friends and family encourage everyone you know to sign this pledge because what we're hoping to inspire is a whole community and a nation of safe and and uh, responsible concealed carriers that are also prepared and ready to defend themselves and their homes and their families if need be similar to many of the justified safe stories that we cover each week in the podcast and so sign the pledge and show us your commitment that, that, that you are willing to step up to the plate and, and do this along with us. And then uh, I sign mine. Yeah, me too, man. Absolutely. <laughs> good, good, good man, Matthew. Uh, and then, uh, Guardian Nation is the other sponsor tonight. Uh, guardiannation.com, of course. And the exciting thing I wanted to share about this is we have a new member benefit to announce. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's really exciting. In fact, it's the first, uh, benefit of this kind uh, for the uh, Guardian Nation membership, and that is a substantial discount off of Honor Defense's Honor Guard pistol. And uh, it's a fairly new pistol company, but many of you are probably somewhat familiar with them or you've seen them somewhere at some point. And this is a, you know, they are a patriotic uh, company, American-based company that hires veterans to work for them primarily. Uh, They build... uh, from scratch, they, they, I mean, they build their own design of a pistol, nine millimeter, uh, down in Georgia, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm not mistake, mistaken. And it, the Honor Guard pistol has gotten, you know, some pretty good reviews. Uh, Jacob has one, has shot it and likes it. I've shot him and it's a pretty, pretty decent little gun. And as of now, Guardian Nation members can purchase one for a substantial discount. 
And uh, so head on over to GuardianNation.com if you're not already a member to get signed up so you can take advantage of all of the many great benefits that are available to Guardian Nation members only. Uh, so now we have a gun discount, and maybe there will be more of those in the future. I'd, I'd like to think so. We've got an ammunition discount through AmmoSupplyWarehouse.com. Great guys over there with excellent quality ammo. We've got a bunch of other great things such as Members-only training videos, members-only content, uh, access to our monthly Guardian Nation live broadcasts, only available to members where you get to interface directly with top industry people uh, and ask questions directly to them and get their answers. Uh, all kinds of wonderful, great benefits available to you today if you are a member of Guardian Nation. And if not, once again, head on over to GuardianNation.com. So excited to see people to take uh, take advantage of that uh, pistol uh, discount. So yeah. it, it's it's Definitely. pretty substantial. I think it's, for sure. Um, I didn't. I haven't seen the exact numbers, but it's it, substantial. It, I remember it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was kind of shocked, I'll, I'll go but. check that out again and see. Uh, I, I I know some numbers were run across my desk, and I I just forgot exactly what they are. But it's really 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 good. All right, that brings us to our next segment of the podcast, which is the Andrew Brinka's Law of Self-Defense Case of the Week. This week's case is really important, so listen carefully, and I am queuing it up now. Thanks for joining us for the Law of Self-Defense Case of the Week. I'm attorney Andrew Branca for lawofselfdefense.com. This case involves a recent Court of Appeals decision out of Texas, State v. Vasquez, that illustrates how a refusal to take the witness stand can effectively strip you of the ability to argue self-defense to a jury. Hopefully, we all know that we have a Fifth Amendment right under the U.S. Constitution to not be compelled to testify against ourselves, and that being the case, no defendant can be compelled to take the witness stand against their wishes. Further, the defendants declining to take the witness stand and testify cannot be used against them by the jury in arriving at their verdict, and the jury will be so instructed. Nevertheless, exercising this right under the U.S. Constitution in a self-defense case can potentially result in the jury being denied the opportunity to actually consider the legal defense of self-defense as a potential basis for your acquittal. Let's take a look at State v. Vasquez. In this case, we have a defendant, Vasquez, who was angry about his ex-wife's new boyfriend, Walker. Although the decision does not say so explicitly, it suggests that Walker may have been black and that Vasquez may have held some racial animus towards him as a result. There was evidence presented at trial that Walker was substantively displacing Vasquez, not merely as the ex-wife's love interest, but also as the father figure to the six children Vasquez had with his ex-wife, all of whom lived with the ex-wife. There was also evidence that this displacement was driving Vasquez into a murderous rage. The day of the killing, Vasquez got into a verbal argument with his ex-wife at her home and in front of their children and started pushing her hard. Walker intervened and told Vasquez to stop pushing the ex-wife. In response, Vasquez shouted racial slurs at Walker and punched Walker in the arm and chet. The day of the killing, Vasquez got into a verbal argument with his wife at her home and in front of their children and started pushing her hard. Walker, who was living in the ex-wife's home, told Vasquez to stop pushing the ex-wife. 
In response, Vasquez shouted racial slurs at Walker and punched Walker in the arm and chest. Walker did not respond. Vasquez then punched Walker in the face, at which point Walker punched back, knocking Vasquez to the ground. Vasquez then walked to his nearby vehicle, retrieved a handgun, and fired two shots into the air. Walker closed on Vasquez to try to disarm him, and the two men struggled over the gun. During this struggle, several shots were fired, one of which struck and killed Walker. Vasquez was tried on a charge of murder. At his trial, his attorney argued that Vasquez shot Walker in self-defense. Vasquez himself did not testify at trial. Now, although I have no knowledge of Vasquez's criminal history, it is common for criminal defendants with such a history to avoid taking the witness stand because doing so allows that criminal history into evidence and before the jury. At the close of trial, Vasquez's lawyer requested a jury instruction on self-defense, but the trial judge declined this request. The reason for declining the request was that there had been no evidence presented at trial that Vasquez possessed a fear of deadly force harm from Walker. Such a fear would be required in order to justify Vasquez's use of deadly force as lawful self-defense. And so evidence of such a fear would be required before the jury could reasonably be instructed on self-defense as a path to acquittal. This placed Vasquez in a conundrum. The simple fact was that the only source for such evidence, in this case at least, of his reasonable fear of deadly force harm at the hands of Walker, if he genuinely had such a fear, was Vasquez himself. To get that source of evidence before the jury would mean Vasquez taking the witness stand and Vasquez testifying to that fear. It would also mean Vasquez subjecting himself to cross-examination and impeachment. So greatly did Vasquez not want to expose himself to cross and impeachment that he adamantly refused to testify knowing this would lose him the self-defense instruction. Denied the self-defense jury instruction, meaning the jury could not consider self-defense as a justification for Vasquez's shooting of Walker, Vasquez was convicted of murder by the jury and sentenced to 30 years. On appeal, Vasquez argues that he had a Fifth Amendment right under the U.S. Constitution to not testify against himself and that the trial judge effectively violated this right by requiring his testimony as a condition to receiving the requested self-defense jury instruction. This appellate court, however, disagreed. They reasoned that the trial court was not, in fact, compelling Vasquez to testify. Indeed, the trial court was explicit that the evidence of Vasquez's state of mind could come from any source, and that it need not come from Vasquez's own testimony. But from some source, it must come one way or another, or the result was zero evidence as to Vasquez's fear of deadly harm from Walker. And no legal argument, including self-defense, can be based on zero evidence. The Court of Appeals concluded, quote, Because no evidence raised an inference that Vasquez reasonably believed that it was immediately necessary to shoot Walker to protect himself from deadly force, the trial court did not err in refusing to instruct the jury on self-defense, close quote, and they affirmed Vasquez's conviction and sentence. Remember, you carry a gun so you're hard to kill. Know the law so you're hard to convict. I'm attorney Andrew Branca for LawOfSelfDefense.com. Wow, that was uh, quite a uh, quite a case. Uh, but this uh, 
State versus Vasquez uh, case, you know, I mean, it's fascinating to me, Matthew, because <laughs> I mean, I assume this guy was listening to legal uh, counsel from an attorney, right. right? And that attorney must have just been saying, look, dude, like you can't testify. We can't put you on that stand. Mm-hmm. Um, and they must have thought that they'd be able to, to win an appeals case on that or that he wasn't going to be convicted in the first place or something because it makes me wonder, you know, if he had, if he had gone ahead and testified, you know, in his own case and, you know, and testified how he had fear for his life, uh, would it have ended differently? You know, would it have maybe ended up in a hung jury or an acquittal of some sort? The answer, of course, we don't know, but, Boy, like, you know, you, you roll the dice as far as I, I'm not going to testify. I don't, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking this is a public defender's, like, in over his or her head on this one because, I mean, as a lay person and just, you know, understanding the, the brief that he's giving is like, you roll the dice and put him up there, you're going to lose either way. If you have, it's not objectively reasonable that this guy feared for his life. I mean, he's got nothing. You know what I mean? Like it's either you go away from murder because he's he's there's no way to 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 land this self defense claim without him testifying, or yeah. you go up there and maybe you know maybe in a cross examination you look you know they they call you out on a couple things maybe the the jury is not like you know really buying your story but you at least roll the dice and say maybe someone's like on the you know on the cusp and like I can't convict this guy of murder maybe something else but absent him up there i mean i know you can't compel somebody you can't use it against them but i mean that's all you have so yeah that's a tough case but i mean he, obviously the guy isn't a is vasquez isn't a genius to begin with right like <laughs> so yeah yeah i mean <laughs> he, you know he showed up at this place to have an argument with his ex-wife and mm-hmm. uh push her around and stuff and that's not cool you know yeah I mean, so, if you go looking for trouble, oftentimes you find exactly what you're looking for. And, and, and you know, so he obviously went there with, with something, you know, when he went back to the car and came back with the, with the gun. I mean, that's yeah. right there. It's, it's difficult. It's going to be really difficult. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. That was the other part of the case that you're just like, oh boy. So uh, anyway, uh, it, this just kind of sets the stage that there, there may be situations where, now, obviously, I mean, two two things to take from this. Number one, make sure you have the best attorney that you can possibly find and afford uh, to uh, represent you, and then listen to what that attorney recommends to you to do, because that's what they're hired to do, and they're they're the best for a reason. And and secondly, make sure that you have a way of paying for them. And so, obviously, there's popular options like uh, USCCA or other you know common uh, US Law Shield, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that you know uh, programs that can help you pay and make sure you get a high quality, excellent, uh, well-experienced attorney. And then, uh, yeah, and don't do stupid stuff like this guy did as far as, you know, he, he just needed to get himself out of that situation, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So anyway, let's move on. We've got, uh, this story out of Florida, Florida school massacre panel recommends arming teachers with concealed weapons, according to the Tampa Bay times, <clears throat> Uh, so this has been going on for the last uh, number of months where this commission, this committee has been, it, it was formed and put together. It's a panel of uh, 14 individuals, I believe, that uh, were studying the whole Parkland incident. 
and there's been a couple of things that have come up come out in the last few uh, weeks or months, uh, some interesting stuff report wise. And I would encourage you if you if if you feel a need to, you can you can do a little bit of digging, and it's not hard at all to find some of these documents that are out there and and go study about what exactly happened, the the, the time frame, the timeline, and everything of the shooting. Um, Really troubling. Yeah, there's yeah, there's there's a lot of information there. Um, I I have not been able to dive into it. I will dive into it at some point because I'm, uh, I feel it's uh something I have to do. You know, as I continue to study these types of events, um, I've been involved in my own uh, school districts safety and security uh, uh, task force. We we put together quite a document ourselves this this summer recommending to the school board uh, some things to do uh, that we felt were you know critical uh, to further enhance the safety and security of our teachers and students in our school district where my, where my kids attend. But uh, the point is what kind of the big thing, the big meaty thing that came out of this Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School Public Safety Commission, that's a, that's a mouthful, <laughs> uh, is that they recommend that the legislature allow the arming of teachers, saying it's not enough to have one or two police officers or armed guards on campus. Now, Florida already adopted a law that allows this, but there were some pretty strict hoops that you got to jump through in order to to get to that point uh but but this is just this is making it official i mean this is an official you know this is a government sponsored commission that's saying and this is the first time i've ever heard anything like this come out from a government entity that says it is not enough to have one or two police officers or guards or resource officers or whatever on a school campus particularly a high school they're recommending we arm teachers. I thought that yeah, was the, really, a, really a powerful thing come out of this. Yeah. And this wasn't the NRA. This wasn't, you know, this is, this was a committee that was put forward non, you know, had no skin in the game one side or the other, just to look at the facts and say, you know, what could have been done better to, to, uh, to help this situation, uh, not develop or, or um, get get so you know go down that road and, and be so tragic and um it's it's pretty evident that you know basically what what everybody probably the listeners have always said you know like somebody the per the, these incidents are stopped much quicker if somebody there has a firearm to stop them you know and then they're not responding from three miles away or five miles away um you know yep. it's it it's just it's counterintuitive to say that you know um you know we we need a we need less people we we need less people with guns you know and that's kind of the argument is like oh well guns cause a problem we need less guns well the guns are there i mean you know so we beat that dead horse pretty much every day but um I, i i think one of the statements in here um it said uh we do need more good guys with a gun on campus. Nobody understands that. Um, but then they said one of them, uh, one of the, let's see, one of the teachers, state teachers union, PTA, um, expressed opposition saying teachers are hired to educate, not be police officers. And, and that's true. We're not they, asking they to hired. be police officers. Exactly. Right. I mean, nowhere, nowhere in this, this, um, this panel did they come up with an idea to say hey let's you know deputize police or teachers you know they just said hey if there's somebody who who is trained who's willing to take that responsibility and step up and 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 you know carry a firearm to to protect the 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 kids why not 
you know, and they're not requiring, it's not mandated. So, uh, in like we've covered many times, every place that this has been implemented, um, that the results are overwhelmingly positive. Yes. So indeed. Yeah. Uh, you, you've got, here's the thing, like, you know, you get the uh, teachers unions, the teachers, sometimes the teachers themselves, uh, administrators that will you know, hop on that bandwagon of, uh, we're educators, not, not fighters, not police officers or whatever. And it's like, well, that may be the way you see it, at least about yourself or about some of the teachers that you know. But mm-hmm. I can guarantee you just, just almost no matter where you go in the U.S., there's at least one teacher and more likely several teachers in your school that are willing to take upon themselves. They will step up. They will volunteer if the, if the opportunity is given to, to do that to arm themselves and to obtain training and be a part of the solution and not just ignoring, uh, you know, it's basically being a, you know, sticking their head, heads in the sand, which, which is what everybody else is doing. You know, these other, other teachers and these teachers unions, you know, saying that, uh, uh, you know, expressing their opposition to policies like this. I thought it was pretty remarkable what uh, Pinellas County Sheriff Bob Gualtieri, uh, he's the commission's chairman, he said uh, this. He, well, first of all, he, he, he uh, summarized some things in the, in the report from the event. He said that the suspect uh, of Parkland, the Parkland shooting, uh, suspect who shall no longer be named on the podcast, uh, he said the suspect stopped to reload his AR-15 semi-automatic rifle five times, all of which would have been opportunities for an armed teacher to shoot him. And then quoting directly from uh, Sheriff Gualtieri, (laughs) it's quite a name, we have to give people a fighting chance. We have to give them an opportunity to protect themselves. One good guy with a gun on campus is not enough. We've got some great comments coming in from uh, some of you listeners. Uh, James says, if teachers are armed, there will be some teachers negligent in accidental discharge or leaving firearms unattended, and will they be accurate and accountable? Um, You know what? There are there are some documented instances where this has happened. I mean, a great uh, the best case study to use on this type of issue is the state of Utah, where concealed carry on public K through twelve campuses, not just college campuses, but K through twelve schools in the state of Utah, uh, you can carry concealed if you have a permit in those schools. And it's not even limited to just teachers or administrators. Any licensed or permitted individual in the state of Utah can carry concealed in K through 12 schools. In a 15 year history of that being the law of the land, there have only been a a, a couple, like literally just a, a few instances where some sort of negligent type thing has has occurred, and out of none of those has a, a student been injured. Okay. A couple of instances where someone has left a gun in a bathroom or something like that. That is not cool. It's unacceptable. Uh, but, uh, you know what? I think the alternative is worse. You know, I don't know. It's, it's, it is definitely something though that, uh, I think if a school, school district uh, were to embrace a policy like this and if they were to put in place policies and excellent training for those teachers uh, that we, you know, whereas Utah doesn't really have any sort of program at all. In fact, there's no requirement for those teachers to carry concealed on campus. There's no required training other than, you know, up above and or beyond uh, their standard state, you know, certified uh, concealed carry training. There's nothing above, you know, nothing required beyond that. 
Okay, and I'm not saying, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm 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 big concealed carry constitutional carry advocate, but I'm saying, you know what? If schools would just embrace this concept of let's have some of our teachers be armed on campus, and if they wanted to go ahead and say, here is our policy to do this, man, it it could be a game changer as far as really hardening our our schools as a target, uh, in in a figurative sense, right? Uh, There's obviously other things physically on the school that can be done to harden the target but uh, having armed teachers inside those school walls is a is could be a game changer and by having some policies and, and training requirements in place uh I, I have no problem with that if we if we could get on board and just embrace it as a concept i think that would be remarkable yeah leonardo says uh he knows several teachers train as much if not more than law enforcement and i totally back that up i i know yes. that as being from you know being a, a a former law enforcement officer um, and knowing there are, there are officers that train only when it's mandated um, with their firearm. Yep. And so um, that's totally true. And, and it, but, you know, and you, you look at the high standards that we place on police officers in generally, um, and there's still mistakes. So p- human, na- you know, humans will make mistakes. There's not going to be a hundred percent solution. You put, you know, guns in every teacher's hand and, and you know, you're going to have problems. Um, because there's just more, more, you know, probability, but we're not saying to put it in everybody, every teacher's hands. Those that are desiring, uh, that responsibility and, and take that extra step to, to get that training. And, and still, you, I mean, of course, you, you know, um, you run the risk of, of something happening. But like you said, I think that, I think that this odds or the, the, if they're not armed, you know, the, the counter of that, um, is much, much worse of an outcome. Um, and, and so, and I think this, this would change the, the, the mindset of the, the schools as far as like, like you said, they're there, they need to be able to protect themselves, like something change the mindset to like, we're going to school, we are in, you know, we are not able to defend ourselves, whether we want to or not, at least start training these teachers um, in, in the, switching that mindset to survive, to fight back, to, to, you know, whether or not they have a gun or not. Um, it starts with a mindset, I think, and then it moves on to, yeah, I'm ready to take a step to be, you know, to, to, to get that training, to be a, to own a firearm and, and carry a firearm as a teacher. Um, I don't think it starts with just the firearm. You know what I'm saying? I, I think there's a mindset there that says, Hey, I want to do this. I want to be a, a protector of the students and stuff. And I'm willing to, to take this, uh, take this responsibility. So, um, yeah, I think Utah is a perfect example, but, uh, yeah. It's it's a pretty big it's a pretty big finding from that from that uh panel. So yeah, see how it's it is, how it spun or how it disappears. I don't know. Yep. Now let's turn our attention to uh the state of Ohio and uh recently we know we've we talked about on the podcast the uh, state legislature passed a uh, a couple of bills actually and mm-hmm. and a couple of those things were uh expanding gun rights or two A rights in the state of of Ohio. Uh a big, big, big one, I know for you especially, was to shift the burden of proof away from a defendant uh, where you have just had to use self-defense in a shooting, right? Or actually, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a shooting. It, it's it's any sort of deadly force, right? You, exactly. you yep. defend yourself against a deadly threat, and uh, you now are are faced with a potential case. Well, in 49 to 50 states up until recently – 
it was simply a preponderance of the evidence, meaning that you as the self-defender did not have to, you basically just had to show that the evidence is more on your side to show that it was a self-defense instance, right? Mm-hmm. The prosecution, on the other hand, had a, you know, they had a greater uh, burden of proof to uh, overcome. Uh, in Ohio, that was different, right? Now, Ohio has been brought in line. The state legislature has said, no, you no longer, in self-defense cases, you only have to, you only have to show, just like these other 49 states, that there's more evidence on my side than it is on the other side, right? More evidence to suggest that I did this in self-defense. And why is that so so key? Well, because if a if a judge or if a jury looks at that and goes, Oh yeah, yeah. That does look like you know this was a self defense instance. Well, then you can be you can use immunity, mm-hmm. right? Whereas if it's not found to be self defense, then you got to go through a whole dang long trial. Yeah, that that pretrial immunity was was a big was a big thing, and, and I, I you know it might be kind of semantics to a lot of people, and they might not pick up on the difference, um, but. It, you know, it really is you're guilty before you're proven. You, you have to you're guilty and then you have to prove yourself innocent. That's the easiest way to understand how the law was. And so um, overwhelmingly, um, the House and the Senate here in Ohio uh, passed the passed the law. It had watered down. It was watered down. It initially contained some standard ground legislation, too. Um, but they legislate. They, you know, watered it down. And uh, and overwhelmingly passed both the House and the Senate. And then, of course, Kasich uh, vetoed it, which, you know, threw everybody into a like a frenzy. It was it was crazy. Um, And uh, but luckily over I think it was the last uh, I want to say Tuesday, um, they the House and the Senate met in a recession here in Ohio and they they overturned the veto. And uh, once again, they voted to say, yeah, this is what the people want. This is what we voted for. Um, And one man isn't going to control all of Ohio, whether or not he thinks he should or not. And uh, it was a good day. By the way, I can't believe Governor Kasich is – has taken the stance like like he has. I mean, completely going against the will of the people, completely going against the will of the legislature and the Senate. Um, and, uh, you know, I know he has aspirations to run for president again. He was in the primary mm-hmm. this last time, didn't do very well. Uh, I could promise you right now, if he, especially if he's running on the Republican ticket, he is not going to do well again. Because, no. uh, and I don't know if he's thinking of like trying to make a run as an independent or if he's going to switch parties or what, but you cannot, here, here is a statement from him. Okay. This is what he said. Uh, he said this, oh, I had it pulled up. He basically said that he, he's a pro second amendment person, but, uh, I know I had it here. Yeah, he's, yeah, he called himself a Second Amendment person, but added, I also agree that there are some important restrictions that we need to put on the Second Amendment. Yeah, that's not going to win over voters on the uh, pro-Second Amendment side of the aisle. So No, no. He, I mean, he, he, he said, why would I sign a bill that gives more power to the gun advocates? I mean, that, that just shows yeah. a complete lack of understanding of what the heck – he was even vetoing like he had this is not a bill for gun advocates this is a bill for the constituents in the state of ohio to not be pre- presumed guilty i mean this is a bill to simply bring in line ohio with 
49 of 50 other states. Yeah, it does absolutely nothing for gun advocates. I mean, like, obviously, <laughs> it, it puts them in line, you know, if, if you don't care about, you know, you don't own a gun, it probably doesn't affect you very much. But it would still apply if you stab somebody in self-defense or you, you know, punch somebody and, and, and they crack their head open on the ground and you want to enter a claim of self-defense. You know, you can't. It, it, so it's not just for guns, but this guy, he, he just has no clue. And, uh, you know, I, I totally agree that he's he's probably going to run for for president and he's probably going to go for an as an independent or he, maybe he'll shift and be run as a Democrat. I can't imagine him running it as a Republican with with this track record. It's just yeah. he, he also vetoed a part of that bill was a heartbeat bill um, that didn't end up uh, getting overturned. That part of the veto stayed. But, of course, the the, you know, increase to the uh, politicians pay the you know congressman's pay uh, that was part of the bill that get, didn't get vetoed or it got vetoed but it got overturned so yeah uh, yeah uh, well but, there you have it wow. on to uh pennsylvania pittsburgh mayor declares intent to ban guns in violation of state law this according to the nra ila uh so basically have pittsburgh mayor william peduto who held recently a press conference to propose a trio of anti-gun city ordinances that if enacted would constitute a direct violation of Pennsylvania's state firearms preemption law and Pennsylvania Supreme Court precedent. So he's trying to unilaterally, single-handedly, uh, pass some anti-gun laws that goes, go in violation of the state constitution, essentially. Um, three legisl- the three legislative proposals are a total ban on commonly owned semi- semi-automatic firearms. Specifically, it's it's calling out uh, so-called assault weapons, and uh, a f- there's actually, uh, if you read down into the language, it, it's more than just that, but uh, it includes quite a few different categories of semi-automatic oh, yeah. firearms. Okay. Oh yeah. A total ban on several types of common firearm accessories and standard capacity magazines. Uh, and also a development of really what it is. The NRA is trying to use some really tricky language here. It's just talking about extreme risk protection orders. So he wants extreme risk protection orders. He wants to to limit uh, the capacity magazines and uh, bans uh, some common firearms accessories and ban AR-15s, Mini-14s, and the like. All right. So pretty much the standard. You know, and the funny thing is, if you go down in the language, it, it, it starts talking about features on a semi-automatic firearm, like an AR, for yeah. instance, talking about pistol grips and telescoping and collapsing stock, you know, weapons and stuff. And I, these guys are stuck back in the 80s, man. Yeah, like, it's crazy. <laughs> like they're going to classify guns based on features that mean absolutely nothing. It's such feel-good legislation. It's like <laughs> it's, it's simply appealing to the you know the 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 less informed, less educated as far as guns are concerned, uh, masses of the public to say you know stuff that you know guns that have pistol grips and telescoping <laughs> stocks and flash hiders and stuff those are extra dangerous and by golly we got to we got to ban them it's ridiculous if you read it there's two things that stand out one of them is okay so part of the automatic firearm uh some uh, the definition of meets a semi firearm um for a rifle it needs it may have a grenade launcher okay if you have a <laughs> Any gun with a grenade. If I have a stick with a grenade launcher attached to it, I'm pretty sure it's going to be illegal, right? Like, it, like it, it's so, it's so stupid. And then if you look at the part where they talk about handguns, 
Um, it, it, they talk about ammunition magazine touches a pistol outside of the pistol grip, a threaded barrel capable of accepting a barrel extender, flash suppressor for, so you can't have a threaded barrel because why? Right? Yeah, a shroud that right. is attached to partially completely encircles a barrel that performs, uh, permits the shooter to hold the firearm with the non-trigger hand without being burned. Well, of course, because yeah. you want the guy to be burned while he's holding his firearm. Okay. <laughs> so it's like this kind of stuff is like so bizarre. Dude, that- it, it reminds me of like years ago, there was this ABC, uh, uh, special or something, some, you know, special ABC story on, uh, assault, assault weapons. And they were talking about pistol grips and how having a pistol grip on a gun makes it easier to shoot from the hip. <laughs> Which is like the dumbest thing ever, because what they don't realize is that it actually is easier to fire from the hip if you have a standard stock. Yeah, exactly. Because the angle is more uh, ergonomic. Like if you have a pistol grip, you actually have to, you know, cock the wrist wrist down more so you can shoot from the hip. Now, who shoots from the hip anyway? Like it, it, it's funny because they they were making this big deal about well, you don't want to be able to shoot from the hip. Um, I'm pretty sure the last several mass shootings that have occurred, that's not the tact. Like, even if the perpetrators of those crimes were not super well skilled, uh, or whatever, like, they, they weren't shooting from the hip. You no. know what I mean? <laughs> no. Anyway, it, it's just, it, oh, it's just, I just, I saw that and it just got me all worked up, you know. <laughs> Let's go back to the, uh, the, the you know the old '90s uh, assault weapons ban and you know that we had nationwide that uh, served literally no purpose. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, anyway, that's what they want. Of course, we see that here in Colorado in Boulder. Um, we had a story we had to cut out of the out of the out of the uh, podcast today about right. um, the uh, basically the registration that you got to do now in, in Boulder, Colorado to have a so-called assault weapon. And uh, we, we know that things like this are going to be proposed in a variety of state legislatures this year as well, potentially. I mean, the House are, is going to struggle to get anything through on, on the federal level, but uh, we may see things like that proposed in the House now that is, you know, switching back to the Democratic Party uh, as far as control is concerned. So anyway, um, but you know what? The I'm going to actually skip over, and we'll come back to the story, Matthew, because I, I, I want to get to – I feel like it, it – it, this just dovetails nicely in w- with what we were just talking about. Okay, so I'm moving to the story that's from National Review. The title is Corporate Gun Control. The New York Times outlines the dangerous next development. So that's kind of like where I got the title of today's episode from. I said – uh, the next wave of gun control may not come from where you think it may come from. Now, I think there, like I said, we just got done talking about all these proposals in cities and counties and states and and whatnot that are are probably going to happen here in the next few weeks and months and, and year or so. And that's definitely one battle we have to be watchful of and prepared to fight that battle and not allow these guys to gain any more ground on these anti-gun laws. But uh, one other thing that we got to be really watching closely is corporate gun control. We've talked about this a little bit. You know, this, this year has been kind of the year of corporate gun control. We've never really seen it get like it has in the last year or so, where corporations are getting involved and they are doing what they can 
to make doing business as a firearm business or a firearm-related business, making that much more difficult. Mm. And this is really, truly kind of scary in a way. Now, this is one of those areas that is difficult for me as a freedom-loving American, Matthew, because I go, you know, on the one hand, you know, I, I, I believe in a free market. I believe in uh, free economics. Uh, yeah, there's some limitations on all things, just as there are in, in almost all aspects of government and in, in our day-to-day lives. But generally speaking, I, I like a free market. Yeah. But you've got businesses, you know, like Amazon and eBay and Facebook and uh, 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 Shopify. That was a kind of a big thing, and people people are not very familiar with Shopify, probably. But that's a that's a business that is that does, that supports other businesses. Shopify is basically an online uh, merchant service. A lot of online stores, companies that have online stores use Shopify so they can sell products. And there was a number of businesses that were affected by a recent change on Shopify's policies where they said, nope, you can't use Shopify to sell gun, you know, basically. And it's still limited to certain categories of products. But, uh, you know, and Citigroup and Bank of America have tried to do stuff. Now, can you imagine if Visa or MasterCard... Or American Express, or one of these big giants, you know, that, I mean, we use Visa every single day, you know, most Americans. And imagine if they said you can no longer use Visa to buy a firearm-related product, a gun, an accessory. Can you imagine? Yeah, or if they said, you know, over this threshold, if you buy it at these stores, it's going to go in a trigger, and then we're going to pause your, you know, your transaction and make sure you're legally, you know, check your your social media and all this. I mean, like, I, I agree, you know, free markets and things like that. But um, I also, you know, w- when you're saying about limitations, w- when it starts to usurp the, um, you know, the people's desire. I mean, so you you have a couple people deciding for everybody else and they're unelected. And I think at that point, it doesn't become a free market. It becomes, you know, these people are basically just running an end around, you know, quasi, you know, uh, government, you know what I mean? Like they're in charge. These four or five banks are in charge of everything. You know, you have Amazon, Google, four or five banks and where does anybody else go? So I think when they start doing that it's 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 going to end around the, the you know and, and they're not they're not elected i mean i guess in a kind of a way if they have you know trustees and 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 things like that but um yeah this isn't how you know our country is designed to be uh legislated from you know a four or five people that own 90 percent of a of a segment of of you know what what we use is um, every day, you know, getting your, your in, information through the internet, getting your banking through, you know, the bank. So yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So this whole article, uh, which is really, really great. We, we, you know, unfortunately probably can't dive in as much as I'd like to. This article is written by David French and he's put out some other really great stuff, uh, especially on the second amendment. I've read a number of his articles over the years. He is basically writing this to counter and to point out, uh, you know, a concern of his of an article in the New York Times written by Andrew Ross Sorkin that, uh, and, and, and that article basically touched on how banks unwittingly finance mass shootings. 
And the concern is that, you know, that New York Times, uh, even though I'm not necessarily a fan of that publication, they, they have a lot of power as a mm-hmm. publication. You know, they are, they are widely read. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of uh, folks that are in corporate management, uh, executive level you know, peeps at, you know, some of these corporations that, you know, like, like, like we've mentioned on the podcast, uh, you know, may very well read something like this and go, Oh, you know what? You know, we, we need to, you know, this, this is a good point. Like we are unwittingly financing mass shootings. <laughs> that does, that feels really icky. You know what? It does. It feels really icky to know. I mean, I'm sure Smith and Wesson or Bushmaster or Stag Arms or, Daniel Defense, you know, any one of these companies that makes particularly the AR-15, uh, I'm not saying all those have been used in mass shootings, but maybe, I don't know. I don't for sure Bushmaster has, you know, but, um, that was obviously that got a lot of attention back in, uh, after Sandy Hook. But, uh, you know, I'm sure to them, it feels really icky knowing that their gun that they, that they made was used in this horrible, terrible, murderous crime. But you know what? That's, that's just a, a part of life, you know? I mean, people make aerosol cans and other people go and huff those things and, you know, die sometimes from, you know, <laughs> huffing stuff, you know? I mean, like, like you can't be responsible or expect to be responsible, uh, for the stuff that people do, you know, illegally or improperly with your product. Uh, people kill other people with cars all the time, you know, uh, in, unintentionally as well as intentionally. Same goes for knives. I mean, it's icky as, as it is with all things in life where, you know, these ugly things that sometimes do, uh, occur. Uh, it's icky. Yeah. And one, and one part that the story, I, I like that, you know, the write up, but one part is that they missed completely is that there is, there are many, 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 many more times that these weapons and, and, and firearms and things are used in a positive way to defend innocent people. Yes. So, so, you know, you're only looking at one side saying, oh, these guns that your company made or you use my credit card to buy this you know, to, to, to kill these 11 people or seven people. It's tragic, no doubt. But there's, you know, thousands and thousands of people that successfully use their firearm in a legal way to defend themselves and save lives. And so, you know, when you only look at one side of the equation, it's easy to say, well, that's the cause. But, you know, so these people, they're not looking at the whole picture. Yeah. That's a great point. That's, I think that's really what we need to focus on. Uh, as a as a two way community is on shifting the the focus away from the bad things that happen with guns, which are which are the exception rather than the rule, mm-hmm. because I I still believe uh, I I believe I'm not, I shouldn't say I still believe I believe that because I know it's I know it's true that guns are more often used in a positive way than they are in a negative way. Right. I, I believe that guns are used more often to defend people to stop crime than they are used in crimes in America. Um, that might be debatable, but, but I, I think that's, I mean, we just, we see time and time and time and time again of how people use guns to defend their homes, their, and their lives and their families and everything. Uh, we, we have to cut so many of these stories out of the podcast that we could just share story after story after story. I know there's also story after story of, after story of bad things that happen, but the fact is, is the good things are so underreported. 
So mm-hmm. many of these instances are don't even they don't even make it into the, into the news into the newsroom or in, onto the newsstand. So that's why I, you know we see so many of the stories that actually do get published, uh, and they're not highlighted nearly an, often enough. And I know for everyone that is published, there are several others that aren't published. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, the, when I go through these stories, I see so many that just like three sentences, like guy was robbed, shoots defend, you know, shoots, uh, you know, criminal in self defense, n- no other comments or no, yeah. no other, you know, and I'm like, okay, but then there'll be a, you know, four or 500 word story about, you know, some lost dog or, you know what I mean? It's like, so they're they're just kind of relegated, like oh, it's not a big deal, so nobody really knows about it. But it, yep. it, they're they're there. Yep, for sure. I just re- I just realized the time, man. I'm like, <laughs> guess we go, <laughs> we better move right along. So I'm going to jump now to a story in the Washington Times: toy gun buyback for pansies. <laughs> That's quite <Nice>. a headline. <laughs> uh, but uh, in Hempstead, New York, uh, officials there uh, instituted. Uh, well, first of all, they were encouraging parents to not buy their children toy guns as gifts this Christmas. And in fact, they took it one step further and also hosted a toy gun buyback event. Dear God. (laughs) So, (laughs) uh, yeah, squirt guns, Nerf guns, uh, whatever, you know, little airsoft guns, I suppose, you know, yeah. You show up with a toy gun, and they would buy them back. The local uh, government there would. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't even know what to say about that. Yeah, it's but 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 that the title of the article is absolutely correct. Toy gun buyback for pansies. Now I'm not I'm not going to call those kids pansies. I'm calling their parents pansies, and those government officials. You pansies. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I, I totally get it. But like, you, you don't want your child to be mistakenly shot by a police officer. I get it. And that's kind of the angle that, that they're taking for this. Right. Um, but as the, as the, you know, the writer clearly states, that's more of a, that's more of a education on the parents educating their children and, and, and training on the police departments. That's not, well, let's ban toy guns now. That's like, hey, teach your kid where you can and can't should be playing with toys, where you you know what you need to be doing if the police come and things like that. Um, and on the other side, with the police officers, you know, um, you absolutely can always have more training on on threat identification and things like that, and how to you know kind of um, uh, you know be uh, approach a situation a little bit more tactically so you can understand the situation before you get right up on it. Um, But this is not a case where banning toy guns is going to save lives of, you know, uh, of kids. This is simply not true. It's just not going to happen. Yep. I'm with you, man. (laughs) This is the point completely. Yeah. Well, anyway, I I bought, I bought my son a toy gun or two. (laughs) <laughs> oh man, we we bought the, we bought the uh, the nerf the so like I mean they're a couple years old now, but you know the kind of the newer Nerf gun now that shoots the ball instead of the uh, the dart, and mm-hmm. the, those things shoot good, man. Nice. Like, uh, I know Jacob doesn't allow his 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 kids to play like this, but uh, when it's appropriate and when you know things are uh, appropriately set up to do so, my 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 boy and I we we shoot each other. 
<laughs> I teach him <laughs> tactics, man. I teach him. I use it as an opportunity. It is force on force training. Right. Pull out the Nerf guns, you know, and teach him, you know, the right way to go about it, you know. And you know, CPS I, I is going to show up at your door now, right? <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 that is that is good fun, and it's educational too. Uh, and uh, boy, those new Nerf guns, man they 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 they, they got some kick behind them. So uh, anyway, he 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 drilled me in the chin at one point. I went. Mm, I kind of actually felt that a little bit. <laughs> Good shot, kid. Got to use that cover more effectively, apparently. <laughs> uh, quickly, judge dismisses Parkland case saying school doesn't have duty to protect students. Uh, so there's this uh, lawsuit going on against the school and the school district and the sheriff's office and uh, from the you know families of the victims. And, uh, you know, they were basically suing for damages suggesting that the school had, and particularly the well, so the school and the sheriff's office, particularly the school resource officer, deputy Peterson, uh, had a, an obligation to protect and defend the students. Cause there was, it's obviously well known that, uh, deputy Peterson did not, did not engage, did not go into the school. He danced around outside the school for a long time and pretended that he didn't know where the, you know, the threat was coming from, but that's, you know, the, in the report that has been released from the uh, commission, uh, would suggest that, yeah, I, I, it doesn't really add up that he didn't know where the threat was. Um, so yeah, the judge though ruled that, that the, that there is no constitutional duty to protect students from harm inflicted by third parties. So, uh, and I, I, I look at it and I kind of think, you know, that that's probably the right call. Uh, but this is also interesting that you have a judge saying that a school doesn't have a duty to protect your child while your child is there. And as a parent, that doesn't sound very very good. You know, I I, I want to know that my child is protected and safe when they're within the walls of that school, right? They're they're in the cu- in the custody of the school and the teacher. Yeah, I, there, there's a legal definition. I think it's like parentis loco, loco or something like that, where uh, in lieu of the parents, you know, certain schools take um, the role of the parent and, and they're liable for certain things legally. You know, they're responsible um, for for certain things. But um, because they're entering into like some custodial, you know, partnership with that child, same way with 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 law enforcement, unless they're in custody, typically the, the, the law enforcement isn't required to do anything, you know, like they have to act, but, but they're not required to act in a specific way, like um, where they could be sued for damages if they don't act in a and they acted in B. So obviously if somebody dies in custody, yeah, the, the, the government has taken a responsibility. So it's kind of a double edged sword where you're saying if you want the police to be able to be sued for not acting, then you're saying that the, the law enforcement has a, or the state basically has a specific relationship with you, you know? And so that's where this, this lawsuit kind of broke down, which was, uh, or, 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 you know, where it wasn't, um, where it's kind of thrown out. So yeah, pretty interesting case for sure. Uh, could, you know, I mean, that's at a, that's a fairly, I don't know what level that let's see here. Hang on, hang on. It should be the story, right? What court was that? It doesn't really say. 
It doesn't really say, as far as I can see here in this particular story. I'd have to dig deeper. Uh, but this is not, you know, su- suggesting that this applies to anywhere probably outside of, you know, this is specific to that particular instance. Mm-hmm. If this were to be appealed and maybe go up up the chain to appeals courts, maybe to, to the state Supreme Court, maybe beyond that, you know, that's where it could have more of a, of a greater effect elsewhere. Uh, so we need to keep things in context, obviously, but it's good to know about and know that, hey, this, this is something, you know, that could be a factor elsewhere as well. All right. Uh, WKOW.com reports suspect grabs gun from man openly carrying weapons on state street. This happened in Madison, Wisconsin. And, uh, this is, <laughs> I saw this on Facebook, Matthew. So <laughs> basically you had a man who was openly carrying multiple firearms on state street. So he's out in the public, you know, populated area carrying openly multiple firearms. This is a couple of weeks ago. And he had one of those weapons taken away from him during an argument. Someone approached him. By the, the, the man, by the way, that approached him <laughs> has the last name of Bogus. Which is, that's a great name. That's a totally bogus. bogus name. Uh, <laughs> now that man approached him and said something like, why do you want to kill people? And then proceeded to take one of the, the guy's guns away. And he pointed it at him, and there was basically like a little bit of a standoff. Uh, eventually, Bogus was arrested. No charges pressed against the uh, the, the unwitting victim victim there. But uh, you know, we talk all the time about open carry. You know, I support it as a right, but tactically speaking, not a good idea. No, no, <laughs> for I mean, most people, for most people, totally, totally agree, especially. You know, if if you've never carried a, a firearm and you're out there and you got it tucked in an Uncle Mike's like nylon holster flapping around while you're walking down the street, you, I mean, you're just asking, you're asking to become a victim of something or involved in some sort. I mean, this is this is proof positive. This yeah. it's ridiculous. I, I mean, I can for, point you to story after story. I mean, several stories just like this where okay. someone is carrying openly and they get their gun taken away from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And part of me wants to go up to Bogus and be like, hey, man, good. you kind of took it too far, but good job kind of like showing that this is not the typical way that like most people are going should carry. You know what I mean? Like it takes a little bit more than just throwing a gun on and be like, oh, yeah, I do it to to protect He because he, he says um, the the guy after he says, why do you want to kill? Because this is my right and it's for protection. Well, no, it's not. It, I mean, like it is, but you need to be able to use it. And obviously you don't because it's just gotten taken away from you. So yeah. it's like you're putting people at risk, man. That's not cool. Um, yep. So, yeah, it, it, this is obviously in our what not to do. Yep. <laughs> yep. Don't do this. All right. Woman shoots alleged burglars and the woman is in police custody after she shot him for breaking into her car. Uh, this happened in Memphis, Tennessee. Police say they have one woman in custody after she saw, she saw a man break into her car and took matters into her own hands with a gun. So the story goes that uh, this was, when was this exactly? So this is last, or maybe it's two Thursdays to go now, but it was Thursday morning. And Brandy Cole is the woman. She, she, she said she parked her SUV outside her apartment when she got home from work around 6 a.m., but she had no idea what would happen 30 minutes later. So apparently, <clears throat> this man broke into her vehicle. Pop, uh, he, they say he used a hanger or something to pop my lock, and he broke the window of my neighbor's car. That neighbor saw the break-ins happening, she said, and shot the man in his arm. 
He got caught around the corner. My neighbor actually shot him, Cole said. We heard someone screaming. Help me. I ran back there. My sister ran out. The girl had a gun in her hand. He was laying on the ground. She was shaking and said someone else called the police because they weren't responding fast enough for her. <laughs> so uh, basically this this neighbor saw dude breaking into a car and shot him. And now she is the one that's been arrested and... Uh, yeah, it doesn't say that she has actually been charged with anything yet. It says here they haven't filed charges yet, but they are investigating. But she has been arrested under suspicion of having committed a crime. Yeah, I mean, you see some of the statements in here are kind of telling because the neighbor, not the one who shot, but the, the other neighbor who ran outside said, I think it's scary if you go outside and someone is breaking into your stuff and you don't know if he has a gun or not. So with adrenaline running, you just react. I don't think she should get in trouble for it, though. And it's like that statement right there is like so damning if you just break it down and say you go outside trying to like stop someone from breaking into your car or something. You need to, you know, yeah, you don't know if they have a gun or not. So so you can't just shoot. Right. Like, you know, how how often do I hear that or see that from people all the time? I don't know what they're going to do. I drew my gun or I fired because I, I didn't I know if they had a gun or not. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we it's had that bad. story and we had quite a bit of pushback. It felt like from, from a few listeners where there was a guy that shot, um, somebody inside his home and he shot him again as he turned to go back towards the bathroom or something. And, you know, there were some, there were some comments that I saw people saying, well, how do, how does he know whether he's not, you know, reaching for a gun inside the bathroom or he's got a buddy inside there or, you know, something like that. And I'm, you know, we, we can't shoot because of what we think somebody has or doesn't have. It can't be a hypothetical it, thing. It has yeah, to be exactly. specific. What, what's, what's an important metric? Uh, all cops learn this, Matthew, as far as, you know, you've got to be able to, our, Finish the word. Articulate. There you yeah. go. Articulate the reason why mm-hmm. you did what you did. And you can't articulate. Like, it is not called articulation when you say, well, I thought that they had a gun or I didn't know whether they had a gun or not. How do I know? I went out there and approached this guy as he's breaking into the car. Yeah, I, I just reacted. He doesn't have a gun. I just, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's not articulation. That's, yeah. well, you just reacted. You just you you reacted said. to fear. Yeah, you, you reacted out of fear. And you shot somebody who weren't justifiably able to shoot. I mean, it maybe and here's the here's the funny thing or not funny, but she might be justified in shooting this guy. I mean, he might have been a, a, a legitimate threat. You know what I mean? But if you can't articulate it, then you, you place the jury in a situation or, or, or the prosecutor or the or, the, you know, the D.A. in a situation where they're saying, well, you're telling me that you didn't see a threat. And you just reacted. But this person might have legitimately been a threat. But if you can't articulate it, you can't paint that picture for anybody to be placed in your shoes at that moment. So it's really important that you that you take the time to to understand how important um, relaying that story, retelling that story is. So true, man. You know, And there was a great comment here from James. Being on defense is harder than offense. And that is so true. And that's what we all are. We are all on defense as responsible concealed carriers. That's always the case. It's it's called Mm self-defense. And too many people go on the offense. I 
I know there are people that would disagree with, with our analysis on some of these cases and that's okay. Disagree all you want. But I mean, I've read hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands at this point of stories like this, covered them on the podcast, talked about them, uh, talked with, with attorneys, learned so much under the tutelage of, of attorneys like Andrew Branca. I know how this crap goes on, you know, how it goes down. And if you have an aggressive prosecutor, it does not go well for you. If yeah. you go on the offensive at all, for whatever reason, defense and I, only. And let's put it this way. Even if you're not, even if you're acquitted, if you even have to go to court, even for like a pre-trial or for anything, it's, it's, it's expensive and it's, 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 you know, it's very, uh, anxiety producing it's going to stress you out i mean it's just something you don't want to do so you want to protect yourself from any any little chinks in the armor that somebody might say yeah let's let's see let's put it forward and see what we get right. you just don't want to be anywhere near that yeah so let's go on to another story from the Monitor, themonitor.com. Uh, this one is Hidalgo County. Where is this? Crap. Uh, this is, I'm sorry. Yeah, somebody's, uh, oh, it's in Texas. It's in Texas. There you oh, go. McAllen, Texas. There we go. I, I see the town now and I recognize McAllen. Um, <clears throat> homeowner shoots McAllen uh, officer who responded to burglary. This one's quite interesting, okay? So basically, you have a burglary take place. The homeowner chases the burglar, and he chases him into an open field. This is after chasing the burglar for several blocks. This is a dude that's saying, I'm going to get my stuff back, yo. (laughs) He is motivated. He is chasing Mm -hmm. this dude for several blocks. Uh, A police officer joins in that pursuit. And attempted to apprehend the suspect. But here's the problem. As that officer struggled with the suspect, the homeowner drew a handgun and fired in their direction, striking the officer in his right arm. Now, eventually, the suspect was apprehended. He's going to jail. The police officer is going to be okay. He had just a a wound to his arm. But the, (laughs) the homeowner is he's in a bit of a pickle, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he was arrested. And arraigned uh, on criminal charges of burglary. Or excuse me, that's the other guy. Hang on. He was arraigned on the charge of aggravated assault on a public servant, mm-hmm. which is a first-degree felony. So he's trying yeah. to be a good guy here, and I understand that desire. But he's now going to jail, probably, and going to lose his Second Amendment rights for the rest of his life, most likely. Yeah. And, and that I mean, sucks. And, and it's in Texas. So who, I mean, you, you may see a prosecutor say, you know, well, we're not going to pursue charges. A guy, you know, he was acting in good faith, blah, blah, blah. But you might not. I mean, you know what I mean? It's you're, you're putting your, you're spinning a, a wheel and just putting your hand, your life in somebody else's hands. Um, this was just a reckless, reckless use of his firearm, reckless use of, just bad decisions. He's trying to be a hero, up. man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I, you have a cop right there uh, attempting. I mean, yeah, maybe there was a struggle going on. Maybe you're going, oh, that, tr- that cop looks like he's in trouble. But you're trying to be a hero, trying to make that shot, you know, yeah. where you've got two two guys and you know, got a cop and a bad guy tangled together fighting, and you're going to try to make a hero shot. You watch yeah. too much TV, bro. Yeah, I mean, and we do see sometimes when when uh, bystanders, you know, citizens 
intervene and help law enforcement. And that, I mean, that's awesome, but you have to know your limitations. You have to know how, you know, what the heck you're doing because it's not as simple as just pointing the gun, squeezing the trigger. And, and, and you know, like I said, this, I, I don't agree with chasing the dude down the street for property. I mean, I'm not saying that's a bad decision. It be, maybe, maybe stole something, you know, your kids, you know, one and only little pair of sneakers or something like that. And, and you're going to go get them back. I, if, if that's what you want to do that, you know, you're totally within legal right to do it. It just might not be the most tactically advantageous thing to do. And especially when you see law enforcement arrive on scene to get involved in the situation is probably not not necessary and probably going to be bad so for sure yep 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 well, let's turn now to uh, q13fox.com uh this from the marysville washington area and uh no need to really analyze this story too much uh should be pretty obvious what went wrong armed bystanders shoot at shoplifters in marysville disabling their vehicle the story goes that uh couple of individuals, apparently. It says armed bystanders. It doesn't say exactly how many. <laughs> and, in fact, what police are doing with this is they're with the story, they're trying to get the word out. We're looking for these armed bystanders that fired these shots because they don't know who they are. These guys or whoever fired these shots and then apparently took off. Maybe they had second thought after the fact went, wait a minute, maybe we shouldn't have fired our guns. Maybe we'll just, you know, slink away, you know, in the, into the darkness somewhere. Okay, so... A couple of shoplifters were trying to leave uh, a store called a Coastal Farm and Ranch store, and several citizens confronted them. So keep in mind, these are just shoplifters, right? They're just they're just stealing stuff, which is unfortunately something that happens every day in this country, in every city across America, where shoplifters go into stores and take crap. And uh, as the thieves tried to take off in their car, the bystanders drew their guns out and began shooting, taking out their tires. That car was found a few blocks away, disabled. But and the suspects were nowhere to be found, and like I said, the police are now also trying to locate the armed bystanders that took out the tires. Weird. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't even know. Where to begin. You got armed bystanders shooting at you know fleeing shoplifters and shooting out their tires, and then they disappear. This, this place sounds like a fun place to visit. Where is that? Marysville, Washington. Yeah, Washington. I have, yep. I have to check that place out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm jumping down to our first justified save story, Chicago Tribune. I love here featuring these stories from Chicago because uh, it's Chicago, man. Yeah, and that's why like, I put it. You know, so much we, we spend time focusing on the bad things going on in Chicago. There's a lot of good going on there, too, especially since concealed carry became shall issue in the state of, or state of Illinois. Uh, man shoots robbery suspects in Logan Square. So a 29-year-old man sidelined a New Year's Eve robbery in Logan Square by shooting the two suspects he said tried to rob him, Chicago police said. It happened around 9.40 p.m. on New Year's Eve. Two male suspects with handguns got out of a silver car, told the man they were robbing him, he is a concealed carry license and firearm owner's identification card holder. <laughs> he ended up shooting both suspects, and they were both taken to local hospitals, and they're going to be fine. Uh, that's all the information is on this story, but I just thought it was great, you know, featuring here is a law-abiding citizen carrying concealed as he is allowed to do so, and he is able to defend himself against two armed-with-guns suspects that came to rob him. Crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what credit card company you used to purchase that firearm. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you should call the company and be like, "Hey, uh, guess what I did with the 
with uh, the credit card you guys gave me. I bought a gun and I, you know, I saved myself, my my life. You guys yeah, care about that or no? No, okay, thanks. Yep. Next story: Fox Five, uh, Las Vegas. Uh, employee kills robbery suspect in jewelry store shootout. Now, I saw this a couple different places, man. So, because uh, this was quite an intense story. Uh, so, mm-hmm. in in central Las Vegas, uh, you had a, a couple of suspects. Two suspects went into John Fish Jewelers store. This is near Sahara and Maryland. Anybody that knows Las Vegas? I know exactly. I know right where that is. Not the nicest part of town, but yeah. Anyway, so. You got a jewelry store. Two suspects go in. They attempted to tie up a customer and multiple employees so they could conduct a robbery. An employee in the back room. You always got to watch out for those tricky employees in the back room. There was like a (laughs) pawn shop owner in Utah not too long ago that similar thing. You know, he kind of like comes out of the back room with a gun and, you know, took care of business. Anyway, an employee in the back room who was carrying a legally concealed gun came out and engaged shots with at least one suspect. Now, this is crazy. Multiple rounds were exchanged between him, the employee, and the suspect. The employee was shot multiple times. But he also shot and killed one of the suspects during the exchange. That employee was taken to the hospital in critical condition. I've not heard any updates on his condition. Hopefully he makes it okay. During the shooting, the customer was also struck. This is the customer that was in the store already and was tied up by the suspects. That customer was taken to the hospital. No word on his condition or her. Hopefully they're going to be okay as well. The other suspect ran from the jewelry store. And uh, as we know, that, like as, as I mentioned, that other suspect was killed in that shootout. Quite a intense uh, firefight there. Yeah, and, and you know, part of me, you know, you you can look at it on face value and say, yeah, and it, you know, um, bad guy's dead. I don't know if that's good or bad, but you know, you have uh, the the shooter, the good guy, in critical condition, and another, you know, innocent person who is harmed. You can look at it and say, like, oh, well, if he wouldn't have shot, he, you know, but you never know what these people were would have done. It doesn't say, you know, so they were obviously tying people up and and probably not good dudes if they're if they're tying people up and probably don't have the best intentions so who knows they could have executed everybody in there so you know while you know now hold on there you just said you don't know what they're gonna do yeah but the difference in this this here's the thing these guys came in with guns right and they're tying people up it it, regardless like deadly forces clearly justified in this kind of situation right Right. Uh, now it's up, you know, just because it's justified doesn't mean you have to use deadly force. So you could have told, they could have totally played it, you know, or, Hey, let's just be, you know, we'll just get tied up. They'll take the stuff and away they'll go. Right. Well, probably, but certainly there've been times where they don't just, you know, tie you up and take the stuff and allow you to, you know, be free or after the fact or, or to survive that, that encounter. So, uh, anyway, Justified uh, force uh, or deadly force justified and authorized to use in this case, and uh, but let us uh, let let us not forget that just because we carry a gun, that we you know that we can't get hurt also ourselves. So this uh, yeah. employee did what he felt like he needed to do, and by golly, I mean he he's not out of the woods yet. According to the report, critical condition is not good. He got shot multiple times. That's he got the job done. He, he he did what he had to do, but uh, he's really paying the price. 
Yeah. And, and that was my main point was that, you know, there is a time and place for compliance, right? Sometimes compliance yeah. works and sometimes that's your best option. If, you know, obviously the first option is get the heck out of there. Second option might be compliance. But at a certain point, you're looking at the situation and you might say, look, if I comply anymore, then there goes my ability to react or respond or to, to yeah. fight. You know, I end up getting tied up. So I, I, I think at a certain point, Maybe he, he decides, you know, compliance isn't going to work with these people. Um, and, and so he, he responds and it was justifiable, his response, um, because obviously these people had bad intentions, but. Yep. Absolutely, man. Now, uh, turning our attention to Wichita, Kansas, uh, one person was critically injured in a shooting during an armed robbery in South Wichita. Uh, this is according to Kansas.com, which is the website for the publication, the Wichita Eagle. Customer shoots armed robber in his head area at this South Wichita gas station, police say. Uh, police were called to, uh, to the scene, uh, that what they found is that a customer at the checkout counter had shot at least four, or had shot at least one of four people trying to rob the store. Wow. So you have four people trying to rob this store, and it, the customer is in line. He, also got robbed as part of this robbery, and he went ahead at some point, pulled out a gun, and shot the suspects. Several shots were fired, and it is unknown whether the suspects returned fire, but one of those suspects was shot and was uh, shot once in the head. He's in critical condition. Uh, you know, this is remarkable. I can't even imagine what that scene must have played out like. I don't know if I'd have to, I'd have, I would like to actually see some video on this at some point. I don't know if that's been released yet, but my goodness, you got four robbers, and this guy, he, for whatever reason, decides he, he's got to take action, and uh, it at least worked out for him in this case. Yeah, and, and this is probably a situation where, you know, at, at one point he's compliant or, you know, he's using a diversion to say, yeah, man, here, you know, take my wallet. Uh, I'm, I'm not a threat, you know. Um, you know, get my money, take whatever you want. Yep. And then when they're diverted and they start waving guns at, at other people in the store, then he, he responds. And it's one of those times where, you know, you just have to, it's a gut feeling. It's a, it's a decision of those what if scenarios that you're kind of playing in your head. If, if this happens, what would I do and where would I go? And, and you just say, you know, I'm going to be compliant until I, I, I get a, an a opportunity because maybe he, he was caught off guard by these people, you know, so. Yep. Um, especially that, with four of them. That's kind of how I read this a little bit. You know, it made me wonder, and that's why I'd like to see some video of this. Mm-hmm. If he, you know, cause we, we've, we've talked about this a number of times in the podcast about the importance of not necessarily always being so quick to action in some of these types of situations as far as getting your gun out and engaging. Uh, there's plenty of times where you want to take a little bit of time, uh, analyze the situation, and look for an opportunity or create an opportunity uh, to get that gun out and be able to gain the upper hand. Because element of surprise is so key. Element of surprise is so often what wins a fight. And when you have a gun that's drawn on you and they're, and they're paying attention to you, like that's not the time to draw your gun. Yeah. Right? I, I you want to look for them sure. to get distracted. Or you want to create a distraction. You want to look for the time or that opportunity where you can get that hand back to that gun, wherever it might be, where they're not going to notice. And then mm-hmm. once you once you can go for it, you know, once you're confident that you have the right timing, uh, then you're going to be one surprising them. I mean, this dude scared away four people. 
Yeah. You know, and it, and it's unclear whether a suspect's even got any shots off. He, the customer may very well have been the, the one guy firing shots because at that point, He's gained the upper hand, the element of surprise. At that point, they're all just running for their own lives because they're getting shot at. Nobody likes yeah. that. Yeah, it's, it's it, you know, it's it's just like ambushes and counter ambushes. You know what I mean? Like they ambush you, you cut you off guard, you kind of play the game, play victim, places, you know, compliant, especially with four people, maybe positions himself where he has a better opportunity to do his gun with all four of them not seeing and they're, you know, offset. And now he's going to ambush them and wait to a point where they, you know, are are forced to respond to him. Yep. And so I think it's uh, it, it's definitely shows some sort of level of of cognitive understanding of like situational you know, uh, uh, movement and, and things like that. So, yep. Yeah. Pretty good story. This final story also out of Kansas, although Kansas city, Kansas, and, uh, this one's titled tables turned on would be robbers when intended victim pulls his own gun. This according to Kansas city.com, the Kansas city star, uh, fairly brief story here. Two would be robbers in Kansas city, Kansas had the tables turned on them Sunday night when the would be victim started shooting back the police chief. Uh, he tweeted that two suspects tried to rob the man. One of the suspects pointed a gun at the victim, but the victim pushed it away, pulled out his own gun, and shot the robber multiple times. Mm-hmm. The victim of the robbery was also shot several times in the leg. So, isn't this fascinating, right? So you've got a robbery. You know, It's happening close enough to this individual that he's able to push away the gun, draw his own gun, shoot the suspect multiple times, but yet even though he initially pushed away the gun, he's still, you know, that uh, clearly that robber is able to get control back of his gun and, and he's able to shoot that victim uh, several times in the leg. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. It, the, and, and, you know, this is pretty cool. There's a couple, couple things. Um, it, James uh, says you have to train yourself to fight to the end. And this is exactly the mindset that goes with that, that statement. You know, like this guy, he gets shot in the leg. The guy pulls out a gun. He doesn't just say, oh, my God, like, I'm done. He says, I have the ability. I have the means. I'm not going to be a victim. And, you know, he fights back, pushes the gun away, um, draws his own gun, fights back, survives. Um, and, and, you know, what's crazy is that if you look at the map where this actually occurred, look like to like a block and a half north of of where this occurred. It's the Kansas City Police Department, like right there. It's like a block and a half away. So another thing is you never know when these where these places, you know, where this could happen. You know, this this is this is a block from the police department, you know, (laughs) at least one of their substations. So it's like, you know, and, you know, it wasn't like in the middle, you know, what? three in the morning or something. So, um, yeah, this is, I, I, it's short, but, but it's sweet. It's good on detail yeah, or yeah. it's, it's not, it doesn't have a lot there, of detail, but it's good on. What detail uh, is there is quality. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. what a gutsy move, you know, push away the, the bad guy's gun, draw your own gun and, you know, and go after him. Uh, talk about creating an opportunity. And I'm not sure, you know, this is another one of those things that could be definitely, you know, endlessly debated. Was that the right move? You know, like, is he still got himself shot and it could have been worse than it was. Right. But, uh, you know, he, he did what he felt like he needed to do apparently. And, uh, he did his best to create that opportunity. He he was at least able to get to his gun. Mm-hmm. Imagine if he had just simply tried to draw on that gun. I mean, the gun's in his face. He, oh, he's losing yeah. that battle every time. Mm-hmm. Or imagine 
Now this is this is the thing. Are you practicing your draw? One handed. Are yeah, one handed. Are you are you is this to a point where it's second nature? You don't even have to think about it. Is it to a, is your skill level with drawing your gun to a point where not only do you not have to think about it, but you can do it under duress, on demand, perfectly the first time, or does it take you several times to get it to get it good and to get it right, especially one handed? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I and you know, I, I think about this and I wonder. Okay, we we don't know anything about this guy, but imagine his skill level was not quite what it should have been. He still came out the victor. That's good. But maybe he got shot because maybe that draw was not quite... I mean, once he decided it was time to act, maybe it was not quite as fast or as smooth as what he thought it was going to be. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe there was a little bit of a fumble and it gave just enough time for that bad guy to get, you know, to regain control of his own gun. You know, I don't know. There's just so many things I think about. And it it encourages me and motivates me to go, okay, let's go do some reps, man. Mm -hmm. You know, let's, let's go make sure those skills are sharp and that we're staying on top of things. You know, train hard. Uh, take some classes. Come train with us, man. You know, if you're in Kansas or whatever, we're not too far from you out here in Denver. Or if you're out anywhere near Ohio, go train with Matthew. So, anyway, really good stuff there, man. Uh, thanks for spending this time with me tonight, late tonight, actually early morning now, especially your time time zone. Um, and I got to get up early, too. <laughs> get those snowshoes ready. For sure, for sure. <laughs> well, we're going to sign on out of here. Uh, remember to go sign the pledge for 2019, uh, Concealed Carry Pledge, concealedcarry.com forward slash 2019 pledge, 2019PLEDGE. And then also, once again, Guardian Nation, folks, uh, and that's a great opportunity right there to get some training. If you're a member for at least a year, we send you a certificate for $100 off of any of our training courses anywhere in our instructor network. And you want to come use one of those on our Guardian uh, Essentials or Guardian Standards or Guardian Breakthrough courses, do it. Get some training. And that's actually one of the ple- one of the uh, things in the pledge is that you pledge, you commit this year that you will take at least one, you know, one training course, something not just a concealed carry course, but an actual legit shooting training course of some sort. Take one this year. Come train with us sometime this year. Uh, we will uh, we'll get our schedule of upcoming classes here uh, posted before hopefully too long and uh, get our 2019 schedule figured out. It's going to be a busy year. I know that much. Mark says we look exhausted. I, You know what? I thought I looked pretty darn good tonight, Mark. Matthew, on the other <laughs> hand, he, he looks definitely all kinds of rough, man. Yeah, I know my brain's kind of like firing a little bit behind how it should be. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> James, by the way, last last uh, minute comment here. He says, "Make sure your gun is unloaded when practicing drawing." Uh, yeah, absolutely, man. That's that's a wise thing when you're practicing at home, especially doing dry fire with a live gun. Make sure that sucker is unloaded. Be responsible about it, and uh, practice you know responsibly. I use uh, for dry fire a lot of times. I use a cert pistol or something. I do that quite frequently. But I also do make sure I get reps with my live gun, and I do that at the range, but I also do it unloaded at home as well. Uh, using a barrel block, that's a great product, because uh, that way you, you know and you can ensure that that gun is cleared and safe. You can use one of those to, to practice uh, with a live gun at home. And, uh, yeah, so good comment there, James, absolutely. So uh, we're going to let you all go. Thanks again, Matthew. Have a great night. Yeah, you too, man. Be safe tomorrow. Yeah, go get some sleep, buddy. For sure. <laughs> So with that, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true.